It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, we'll do a deep dive into the Buckeyes. What do I mean by that? Jay Stevens, host of Locked On Buckeyes, he'll join the show to talk about some draft-eligible Ohio State players. We'll talk about what they could bring to the NFL and what they could potentially bring to the Raiders. We'll talk about that plus a whole lot more. It's all coming up on Tuesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, January 24th. 2023. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders, win. part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Just win. Your team Just every win. day. Just win. You're to win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. Welcome here, Raider Nation, to another edition of the Lockdown Raiders Podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can find the Lockdown Raider Podcast free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Thanks to my man Ari, continues to push the envelope and making sure we're up on YouTube each and every day. He's doing a fantastic job. Many thanks to Ari for that. You can check him out on Twitter at Ari Produces. Today's edition of the Lockdown Raider Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. We'll tell you a lot more about them. Matter of fact, coming up after segment number one, uh, news and notes of the day. And then, of course, in segment number two, Jay Stevens, host of Lockdown Buckeyes, will join the show to talk about C.J. Stroud, Paris Johnson, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and more all coming up in segment number two. But let's go ahead and jump into the news and notes segment I like to do here in number one. And uh, the Raiders that are on the NFL, all NFL and all AFC team, according to Pro Football Writers of America, they put out their teams, the all NFL team, the all AFC team, and the all NFC team. Obviously, no Raiders are going to be on the all NFC team, but the all NFL and the all AFC team, they definitely are represented on. As a matter of fact, uh, they had multiple guys on the team total. As far as the all NFL teams, they only had two guys representing Josh Jacobs and Daniel Carlson. Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing, so that's no surprise. He should be at the top of the list. And the funny thing about it is he's at the top of the list. He's on all these all these all NFL teams, but he's not necessarily the first running back, which I think is kind of silly since he only led the league in rushing. But multiple times I've seen Nick Chubb ahead of him. I've even seen times when Derrick Henry's ahead of him. Like he's the third leading rusher. He was the number one leading rusher, and I'm not going to get all bent out of shape out of it. It's not a big deal. He's still on the All-Pro Football Writers of America team. That's good for him and his contract negotiations. Every single award that he can get, every single team, every honor that he can receive along the way is just going to help him in his contract negotiations. So not mad at that at all. And, of course, place kicker Daniel Carlson is money. Cash Carlson is what they call him for a reason, right? He is that good. So those are the guys that made the all-NFL team, according to Pro Football Writers of America, All AFC team, a little bit more. They had Josh Jacobs. They had Daniel Carlson. They had Devontae Adams, who went for 100 catches and 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns. Kind of surprised that he didn't make the All-NFL team, but when you're only picking a couple guys, then you, you 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 have so many talented dudes to choose from. It makes a lot of sense, and again, wins do matter. 
Six wins matters, and that's what the Raiders had in 2022. And Max Crosby also made the squad, and so I was glad to see that because Max has been, uh, you know, snubbed, in my opinion, from a couple of these different teams. And so this is a nice honor for him to at least make the all-AFC team, according to Pro Football Writers of America. And that's just going to give him a little bit more fuel to come back in 2023 and make the all-NFL team. The Raiders were one of seven teams with multiple all-NFL selections, and their four all-AFC selections ranks number two so again still a lot of honor for a team that only had six wins that doesn't really happen all that often so to see those guys at least get recognized by the pro football writers of america i think is a pretty big deal i actually used to be a part of that uh but i just stopped paying my dues <laughs> i stopped paying the the uh the yearly subscription or whatever it costs to pay it uh, it was really good it was really informative and really helped out as far as contacts around the pro football uh, of america but just didn't want to continue to pay the the, the, the money, the fees. So at some point, maybe I'll get back into it. But a uh, really cool honor uh, for those Raiders to be able to make those teams. As far as Devontae Adams goes, uh, he still has that little court case going on in Kansas City with the photographer that he pushed. Remember week back, back in week five, uh, which I think is kind of silly. But uh, according to our guy, Vinny Bonsignor from uh, the Raider Nation Radio 920, of course, the Las Vegas Review Journal, he actually put out a piece on the RJ talking about the court date for Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams for shoving a photographer after the loss to the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium has been moved to June 26th. Apparently, he was scheduled to appear in court on Monday, and that didn't happen. He was charged with a Kansas City ordinance assault violation over a shoving incident that occurred between him and the cameraman immediately following the team's loss to the Chiefs on October 14th. Uh, again, I think it's kind of a silly case, but I get it. It's a case. So it's being pushed back to June 26th. I don't think a whole lot's going to come from it. Um, you know, I think there's going to be probably a fine. I don't expect any kind of jail time. I know that that's one of the, you know, punishments that are on this actual ordinance, like 180 days in jail. That's not going to happen. Please believe that's not going to happen at all. There'll be some kind of hefty fine, and then it'll at some point all go away. But just in case you were paying attention, that is an update on Devontae Adams in that court date in Kansas City. It's pushed back to June 26. Of course, because we have to do this each and every day, uh, talk about the quarterback position and potential quarterbacks that are out there. Of course, lately we've been talking a lot of Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and basically other, right? When you look at it, you look at Jarrett Stidham, you look at maybe Jimmy G, uh, you look at maybe a rookie, you look at maybe another uh, veteran out there that I'm not thinking about. But really, it boils down to, is it going to be Tom Brady? Is it going to be Aaron Rodgers? Or is it going to be other? And so Tom Brady, in only Tom Brady fashion, uh, was on the podcast that he does, the Let's Go podcast, where it's him, Larry Fitzgerald, and Jim Gray. And he got a little annoyed. Got a little annoyed when Jim Gray pushed the envelope about what he was going to do. You'll hear Tom Brady talking about, uh, you know, kind of getting into the offseason and what he does in the regular season and putting everything into a drawer. And then once the season's over, un opening that drawer and going ahead and addressing everything that you put into that drawer. And then that's when you'll hear Jim Gray come in with the answer about, well, what are you going to do, Tom? So here it is. Again, just a little bit of a piece from the Let's Go podcast with Tom Brady, Larry Fitzgerald, and Jim Gray. There's a lot of things you put off during the football season, and Coach Belichick always had a great analogy. He said, put it in a drawer. And finally, you open that drawer at the end of the season, and you realize all the things that you put in that drawer. So it takes you a few weeks to, to dig your way out of it. Tom, you're leaving everybody guessing. Uh, you've said you'll take your time. Do you have any type of a timetable as to what you might want to do uh, regarding your football career? Jim, if I knew what I was going to fucking do, I'd have already fucking done it. Okay, I'm taking it a day at a time. I sense you're antagonized by the question. <laughs> you're scratching. It's only the question scratchy. that everybody wants to hear. You're scratchy, scratchy. 
I appreciate your asking. Thank you. I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go right there, Tom Brady. Uh, You could tell he was annoyed. They laughed it off at the end. But uh, the awkward pauses is what tells you all you need to know without hearing any words All you need to know is those awkward pauses kind of means that he was annoyed that Jim Gray was asking those questions. And what did he say? He was getting scratchy. (laughs) You're getting scratchy. Okay. (laughs) Whatever that means, he's going to take his time. Whatever decision he makes, uh, if he decides, hey, I want to sign with the Raiders. I want to sign with the Dolphins. I want to sign with the Jets. I want to sign with the Niners. I I mean, there's plenty of different teams that he'll have options for if he chooses to play. And he might not. He might just choose to say, I don't want to play anymore. Uh, I'm going to go to Fox and get that $375 million contract I got for 10 years to be, you know, on the broadcast. That could be something that he decides to do as well. I just think he's going to play based off that last game that we saw, that Monday night game against Dallas and the way that his team performed and the way that he threw the ball 66 times and really didn't look very good doing it. I think the competitor in him is going to say that he wants to come back to make sure he doesn't go out like that. I always just wonder at what point does Father Time catch up and say, ha ha, finally got you. You've been escaping me for all this time, but I finally got you. That's what I'm wondering about. When is that time going to happen? Because I don't care who you are. You could be as Teflon as you think. At some point, that will happen where Father Time will finally creep up and get you. You've avoided them, avoided them, avoided them for years on top of years. Finally, you turn a corner and boom, smacks you right in the mouth. There's Father Time. Finally got you. So that's all I got for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, Jay Stevens, host of Locked On Buckeyes. He joined my radio show on Monday, talked all things Ohio State players that are going to be in the draft, in particular in the first round of the draft, most likely in the first round of the draft, coming up in April. And I'll let you hear that conversation coming up after I tell you about the title sponsor of the show, which is FanDuel. And since the NFL playoffs are here, not only the playoffs, but the championship games upcoming this weekend, we're really excited about our newest Locked On Podcast Network uh, uh, partner, which is a sports betting partner, it is FanDuel, the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that's making betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets. Win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Want to jump into the conversation I had on Monday on my radio show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920, with Jay Stevens, host of Locked On Buckeyes. Does a fantastic job, and I promise, since, well, Ohio State is such a powerhouse and puts out so many guys into the league each and every year, I feel like me and Jay talk each and every year about draft-eligible players. Of course, the Raiders ended up with Thayer Mumford in the seventh round a season ago, and he worked out to be a pretty good player. I'm not saying he's a starter. I'm not going to say he's a Hall of Famer, but I thought he was a pretty good player. Uh, slid into a nice little role uh, where he wasn't out there all the time, but when he was out there, I thought he was pretty effective. So, uh, of course, dipping back into the well, and this is just the early conversations when it comes to the draft. We're not talking about, you know, what guy's going to go top 10, what guy's going to go top 20. None of that stuff right now because those mock drafts don't matter. I mean, hell, the season's not over, even over yet, right? And then you got free agency and then mock drafts really get serious. But thought I'd get an early jump on things and start just getting some background on some of these players. I've been doing that. Did a little bit last week on my radio show. I'm going to continue to do that uh, throughout the course of the offseason. So here's the conversation I had on Monday with Jay Stevens, host of Lockdown Buckeyes. And we started out talking, of course, about quarterback C.J. Stroud, who has been mocked multiple times to the Raiders at number seven. I don't know if he's going to get there or not, but I just asked him straight up in the conversation, you know, how have you seen quarterback C.J. Stroud mature at his time at Ohio State being a two-time Heisman finalist? Didn't win the Heisman Trophy, but he he was a finalist two times. So here's that conversation with Jay Stevens starting off talking C.J. Stroud and him maturing. First off, I want to say thanks for having me on the show, and over the past couple of years, it's been fun to watch and cover C.J. Stroud, his growth as a as a human being, his growth as a quarterback and a football player. And if you want a guy that I believe can make all of these throws, that is C.J. Stroud. There's a reason why he had, why he was a two-time Heisman finalist, and we got to see a glimpse of him against Georgia. When you just take everything away, all you you release the leash and let that dog go, he can do just about almost anything you want on the football field. Can't say everything because his legs uh, and his running ability is not at top tier. But Q, he's one of the best quarterbacks in this draft, which is why he is going uh, going to be one of the top picks in 2023. Yeah, no, he will. He'll definitely be top 10. I'd actually be surprised if he even made it to the Raiders who are sitting there at number 7. And you mentioned his legs. I know he's not a guy that's going to run around the yard like a Lamar Jackson or even a Bryce Young, but he's got enough wiggle to keep plays alive, doesn't he? He does. The weird thing is we didn't see much of that during the season, and I don't know if that was Stroud being held back, if that was Stroud holding himself back. I don't know what it was. But for some reason, last game of the season, it's win or go home. We saw Stroud be able to move pretty well with his legs, and I was sitting there watching the game like, okay, like we've been wanting to see this for a long time, all season. Not just this season, Q, last year as well. And now all of a season when it's, this is possibly your last college football game, everything's on the table for him. So his wiggle, I think, is something that's a mystery. Can it be something consistent? And I think it's, uh, it's a mystery because you really only saw it one game from him during his two years as a starter at Ohio State. That's interesting. Really is. Again, we're talking with Jay Stevens, host of Locked On Buckeyes here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Again, when it comes to C.J. Stroud, what would you consider to be his biggest weakness? Like, what he has to work on the most at the next level? It's one thing that I believe any quarterback, Bryce Young, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, Dutton Netter, who the college quarterback is coming out, he needs to work on just poise. Just what he's going to do under pressure. This game at the NFL level is faster. The players are faster. They're stronger. They're bigger. He's going to get pressure, way more pressure than he did the past couple of years playing at Ohio State. 
So how is he going to be under pressure? And I said at the beginning, any quarterback coming out is going to have to deal with this. Because this is a different level, man. Like, there's a big jump from college football, even high-level D1, to the National Football League. Everybody on that 32 uh, – uh, every player on the 32 teams in the league, they're professionals. And so they have all of the traits and all the uh, – not say all the access. Some guys have more access than others. But they're professionals. Right. They're going up against professionals every single week. Like I said, I don't care if it's Will Levis, Bryce Young, Stroud, Richardson. I don't care who it is. You have to work on the poise and how you respond when you're pressured. And honestly, that was something Stroud struggled with this year. So it wasn't like him going to the NFL is the reason why he needs to work on it. He needs to work on it because under pressure, that was one thing where his weaknesses got exposed at a great level. I know it's not a fair comparison because every quarterback is different, but you always hear the knocks on Ohio State quarterbacks. These guys, oh, they don't translate well. But a common thing that they all have in common are the skill position players that they had on them were just fantastic. And he had two great receivers, Marvin Harrison Jr. being one of them. So what do you think about that knock? Hey, of course he looked good in that offense. Look at the weapons he had around him. I think it's a natural thing for people to say. Look at his weapons. He had amazing weapons. Um, last year he had Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. They brought, they set a record this year. Um, I believe it was the first guy from the same school to have over a thousand yards receiving in the rookie season. And then you think about Haskins and all those guys that he had in fields and the guys that feel like I think it's a natural thing for you to say. But also look at the tape, like look at what he's doing with that talent. Look at how he's allowing that talent at receiver, even that tight end to be utilized and to play in even bigger ways than maybe you think. So, yes, it's natural to say, look at their weapons. They're great because of the talent around them. But you also have to look a little bit deeper to see what are they doing with that talent. Are they helping the talent be better? And I do believe C.J. Stroud helped Marvin Harrison Jr., Julian Fleming, Emeka Abuka, Case over at tight end. I believe Stroud helped them and put the ball with his elite, elite ball placement that he has, that skill set, I believe he put the ball in the right areas most of the time for those guys to be successful. You know, I wanted to ask you about one of those weapons in particular, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, he's a guy that was injured and banged up quite a bit throughout the course of the season, but we know he's a hell of a player, probably be a first-round wide receiver taken off the board. What kind of wide receiver do you think he'll be on the next level? Like a one, two? What, what are your expectations on Njigba? My thoughts is he's going to be a slot receiver. That's okay. probably where he'll stick. Um, if anything, he'll be more of a, a possession receiver in the NFL. If he's on the outside. That's not saying he's not going to get paid, bro. Like that's right. not you saying like <laughs> he's going to get out there and uh, not get the bag at some point. No, I do believe if healthy, he can be one of the better receivers at, at whatever position he's in. Maybe top ten. Maybe if he's a possession receiver, number two, top five, top ten there. If he's a slot receiver, top five, top ten. I believe he can be that caliber. But, bruh, he got that hamstring injury, yeah, and that's tough. Mm-hmm. And so he has to be healthy. We got glimpses last year, a year 2021, a year ago in the season, when when he was, uh, uh, when I think it was Garrett Wilson was out a couple games or one game against Nebraska, and then Alave was out in the Rolls Bowl. I forget if Wilson played that game or not. But you got to see a jig, but when he was the number one option because the other two guys weren't there, 15-yard receptions in both of those games. Mm-hmm. Like He was needed to win both of those games. So he can do it, but when healthy, I do think uh, probably a slot receiver is probably the best fit for him at the next level. 
What about Paris Johnson? I've seen in some mock drafts that people have the Raiders picking him at pick number seven, but where do you see him projecting, and what position do you think he'd excel at at the next level? See, here's an interesting thing, and I might think different than others. Position-wise, I think he's more of a left tackle, but I have heard people say maybe he should go back to the guard position that he played in 2021. He got a year of starter at guard, at right guard, a year of starter at his natural position of left tackle, which he came to Ohio State to play. And I think he's probably going to be a top 10 at worst, at top 15 pick. So first-round pick is where I think he's going to go. But I do think, though, it's very interesting. Cause I remember I was on this show a year ago with Q. We talked, yep. I think it was a year ago. Yep. I think we talked about Sarah yep. Mumford. Yep. And that 2021 season, I think, set Mumford back. Going into, at least going into the draft because of the changing of positions. And I truly wonder if there are executives and coaches saying, we got a year at guard, a year at tackle for Paris Johnson Jr. And they might be wanting to see one more year in college at one of those positions to get a better eval on him going into the NFL. So this shaping of the offensive line helped Paris Johnson Jr. I think he's a left tackle. And I think he could be. If he progresses like I think he will, now this is not just me, the Ohio State guy, just me, the evaluator of talent. If he progresses like I think he will, I think he can be uh, a starting left tackle at the next level for quite a few years. I think he has that kind of talent. Again, we're talking with Jay Stevens, host of Locked On Buckeyes here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. So sticking with Paris Johnson, I wanted to ask, one of the big uh, requisites, prerequisites for Dave Ziegler, the GM of the Raiders, is a guy that's versatile. You mentioned playing the right guard, playing the left tackle position. Do you feel like that maybe he can go in and be, you know, a, a, a jack-of-all-trades or, or play multiple positions on that offensive line uh, if need be? I do. I was not a fan of how the coaches utilized the O-line in 2021 where you had basically four tackles on the field, two of them playing guard. And I think if they just had everybody playing their true positions, it would have helped the offense be a whole lot better. But that did that is one area that aided Paris Johnson Jr. going into this draft. Because if it wasn't for that, he wouldn't have played. He probably would have played, would have been more of a right tackle, which still aided him. But you got to see him play inside and outside during his career at Ohio State. I do think that versatility is something he can play guard, he can play tackle. He is six foot six, and I normally this means I'm normally not a fan of a guy being that tall playing on the inside, mm-hmm. but with how I think he's going to spend the time uh, making sure he gets leverage, getting low, make sure he's he's driving his feet at that guard position, either a gap scheme or a zone scheme, whichever scheme he's in, I think he can play either guard or tackle. He mentioned the cue prior to 2021 about how he doesn't think the transition from guard, uh, from tackle to guard, either side is going to be that hard because he thinks that he's uh, able to play right, left, guard, tackle because of the way he can use his feet and use his hands and his body at either position. So the transition was actually a lot easier for him going from guard to tackle than I thought it was going to be this year. And I do think at the next level, he can play either position for whoever drafts him in this draft. There you go. There's that versatility right there, screaming. Versatility, versatility, and more versatility. Jay, we got a a question from my guy, Hardcore Raider. He said, hey, can you ask him about defensive end Zach Harrison? What are your thoughts on him? So I view Zach Harrison, now he's a better player than what I think, the player I'm about about to name, but I view Zach Harrison the same way that Jonathan Cooper, I view him when Cooper went into the NFL draft. Kind of a guy that, Cooper was kind of under the radar and was never amazing at, was never, um, say you want to be the number one defensive end at the school. They could do a lot of things. He was a solid player. 
If this year Zach Harrison solid showed signs of growth, and I do think Zach Harrison, as some say, five star talent, the hype is there. Uh, Chase Young, the Bosa's, you you think some people thought Harrison was going to be the next guy in that lineup of elite elite DNs at Ohio State. Never lived up to that hype coming out of high school. But I do think, though, that Garrett said what we saw this year and his improvement in the run game and being able to play a little D-tackle as well. I don't think he'll play D-tackle in the, in the NFL, but he did show he has the strength to play at that position. I do think Zach Harrison might fly a little under the radar going into the draft, similar to Jonathan Cooper. And I do think, though, if he falls in this draft, he could be a steal for whoever picks him up. Well, Jay, we'll close out with this. You mentioned a couple names. You already got to get dropped a, a, a little gem on us on Zach Harrison. Is there anyone that's flying under the radar that you think may be a l- little bit later round pick that, like you mentioned with Harrison, could be a, end up being a steal? Let me go with my guy. So, Q, I live in Indianapolis, Indiana. Lived okay. here most of my life. I like high school football. I love high school basketball even more. There was a big man at 6'8", 360, DeWan Jones, played right tackle at Ohio State. I got familiar with him on the basketball court at Ben Davis High School, and he was somebody down low that you couldn't stop. He brought that footwork down in the post to the right tackle position at Ohio State. He lost, he shaved some weight at Ohio State as well, going uh, from last year to this year. And I think DeJuan Jones, I'm not saying day one. I don't even think day two, possibly day two. But DeJuan Jones could be somebody at tackle that once he gets into the NFL and gets you – spend all of his time, energy, focus on football, I think that young man could be a consistent piece of an NFL offensive line. So I'm sticking with the old line, really line all together, come with Zach Harrison and uh, Paris Johnson Jr. I do think DeWan Jones can be somebody that uh, can surprise some people. Maybe over day three pick, into day two, beginning of day three, but I do think DeWan Jones, um, once he sticks to his nutrition, sticks to the Strength and conditioning uh, program and all those things there. I think DeJuan Jones, man, I think he could uh, be a really good player at the next level. Refresh my memory on the size of that young man. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine a guy in high school standing at six foot eight, three sixty, and you can't stop him in the block. That's DeJuan Jones at Ben Davis High School. So there it was right there. That was the conversation with Jay Stevens, host of Locked On Buckeyes. If you want to get more and more and more details on some of the Buckeyes that are going to be in the draft, he's doing draft conversations each and every day. Of course, he's doing upcoming football season conversations, Ohio State in general, talking about basketball. He's doing a feature on Ryan Day. He was telling me about there's a lot going on on Locked On Buckeyes. Jay Stevens does a fantastic job, and I definitely appreciated his time uh, joining me on my radio show. So, again, start to you know sprinkle in some draft conversations conversations just to get some background on some of these players that could be potentially in line for the silver and the black. And the one thing I can say about the guys that are going to be selected by Dave Ziegler and company, versatility, versatility, versatility is one thing that I trust is going to be a must when it comes to, you know, position groups like offensive linemen, defensive linemen, you know, can a corner play inside? Can he play outside? Can he kick back to safety? Like versatility is something that Dave Ziegler has, has preached since day one. And that's something that I absolutely believe you're going to see a lot of. Guys that are drafted are going to be very versatile. So there was that conversation. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. This is the Locked On Raiders podcast. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day. Here we go, Raider Nation, segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and text straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start things off with most known unknown. He's calling to respond to Monday's show and talk about what is a common theme with the four final teams left in the NFL playoffs playing in championship weekend this upcoming weekend. Here he is, most known unknown. Hey, Q, it's uh, most known. I haven't called in a while to check in. Uh, I was calling in response to your um your your segment about defense um, and how you look at the four teams that are left and how defense plays the key, but I'm going to go a little deeper. Matter of fact, I'm going to go way deeper, so buckle up. You look at the four teams, and there's one common theme that I saw, and that's high-level organizational functionality from the top down, from ownership down. Let's start with the Bengals. Say what you want about Paul Brown. But if you, you look at his most tenured coach in recent history, which is Marvin Lewis, they won several division titles, they won a lot of games, and they went to the playoffs a bunch of times. Did they get over the hump in the playoffs? No. But I think any Raiders fans during that time period would have traded what Marvin Lewis was able to do with the Bengals with what the Raiders got accomplished in that same time frame. They'd trade that any day of the week. They move on. They take a slight dip for a couple of years. But then they come back with Zach Taylor, they draft Joe Burrow, and now they're in their second straight AFC championship game with the possibility of going to their second straight, uh, their second straight Super Bowl. That's organizational functionality. Now let's look at the Chiefs. Need I say anymore? I mean, that's self-explanatory. Andy Reid got in that building, and as soon as they hired Andy Reid, me being from Philly said, oh Lord, this is going to be trouble. And he's been trouble for the Raiders. Nothing but playoffs, divisions, High-level success, Super Bowls, you know. So let's go on to the next team. Let's go to the Philadelphia Eagles. We already talked about Andy Reid. I had a front row seat of what they did with Andy Reid for 14 years. They move on from Andy Reid. They hired Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly was there for three years, but he went to the playoffs two years in a row. Okay? Then they move on from Chip Kelly. Doug Peterson, second year, wins the Super Bowl. They move on from Doug Peterson. Nick Sariani, second year, has him in the NFC Championship game with a really strong possibility of going to a Super Bowl. Then we look at the 49ers. We saw what they did with Harbaugh, all the success they had with Harbaugh, playoff success going to the Super Bowl. They move on from him. They have a slight drop-off. Then they go and get Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan has been to, what, three championship games now? Or the possibility of going to a second Super Bowl, multiple playoff wins, division titles, and all this with uncertainty at the quarterback position. I say that to say... At some point, we as Raiders fans got to start holding Mark Davis accountable because he's at the top of this organization. He's running this organization, and he's just not getting it done. And I know, no, we can't affect change, but we can never affect change. We can't affect change at the quarterback position. We can't affect change at the coaching position. But that doesn't mean we can't hold him accountable. 
And this points squarely to one man, and that's Mark Davis. Thank you for the call, my man. I agree with you for the most part, but I got to disagree slightly when it comes to Cincinnati. I really can't rock with that, right? I mean, it's it's been well known by many, many people. Cincinnati is not the best-ran uh, organization. They're just not. And I know, like you said, you're absolutely right about the success that they had uh, with Carson Palmer, the success that they had with Andy Dalton, more particularly Andy Dalton than Carson Palmer, Carson Palmer but – uh, they, they're not really ran very well. Their ownership's not ran very well. Anyone in Cincinnati will tell you that. <laughs> they will all tell you that. But again, the success has been there more than what the Raiders had during that same period of time. So you're spot on about that. Uh, but, you know, and the rest of the, the, the conversation, you're spot on uh, as well. It all starts at the top. I've said that a lot of times. Uh, Mark Davis has still got to prove that he could be that guy. Right. I mean, he's had the organization for uh, a handful of years and you would hope for some more success. And I'm sure he's hoped for some more success. He tried to do the right thing by getting continuity, by getting John Gruden, giving him that long term deal. We all know how that shook out. Then he went out and got guys from the most uh, successful organization in football in the New England Patriots. Didn't work out very well in year one. It's not from lack of effort, you know, and, and on the business side of things, they're making plenty of money. Right. So, I mean, is everything perfect? No, not at all. But they're making plenty of money. Uh, they got the new stadium. They've got the, the facilities. There's there's a lot to it, though. He's got to show that they can figure it out on the football side of things and they got to be able to win. So you're not wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong at all. But I, I just like I said, I'm pushing back a little bit on Cincinnati. And I will say that Mark Davis, too, like you said, has to show that he could be an owner that can have a, a winning organization. He did it with the Aces, and obviously the Aces in the WNBA, and it's a different animal. He's done it there. He showed that he's willing to spend the money to get the right coach in to make it happen, get the right players in. He did that. He was able to win a championship, which is fantastic. Now he's got to take it to the big stage, which is the NFL. So he doesn't get in the way. He doesn't meddle. You know, for the most part, he's not making any football decisions. For the most part, he's part of conversations, but he's not making decisions. If he can't get it done, then he's probably going to have to look around at the people around him and say, okay, do I have the right people around me that are helping advise me? If not, he's going to have to make some decisions, some tough decisions, either move on from him or stick to what he's doing. And if it doesn't work, then that's 100% squarely on him. But, I mean, we all know that you're not a big fan of Mark Davis anyway, and so I get it. You know, you're the guy that's always talked about what he drives and what he looks like and this, and that, and the other. And honestly, none of that matters to me. I don't care what a guy drives. I don't care what his haircut looks like or the clothes. I can respect the fact that he's comfortable in his own skin. But, again, he's got a lot to prove as far as the football side of things. Can he get the organization where it needs to be and in the right hands so they can be a winning organization? At the end of the day, that's all that matters. Again, car, hair, where he eats, I don't care about that. And I don't think Raider Nation does either. Raider Nation just wants a winner, and I know that's what you want as well. So thank you so much for that call. Appreciate you. It's great to hear from you, my man. Next up, I got a text from Southern Indian Raider. He says, hey, Q, Southern Indian Raider here. I was listening to the Monday pod, and I've got an opinion on the Aaron Rodgers possibility. I don't want this selfish prima donna anywhere near this team. He does nothing to lead or help in team building whatsoever, and he's shown it. Ran over. Thanks. <laughs> that Southern Indian Raider. Thank you so much for that text, my man. Or Southern Indiana Raiders, I should say. Excuse me. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I understand, right? I'm sure a lot of people look at Aaron Rodgers like that. I was like, man, I don't want nothing to do with that guy. But, you know, it's going to boil down to, you know, Brady, Rodgers, or other. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, Rodgers is a talented dude. You know that, and he's got that connection with Devontae Adams. So, you know, you might have to deal with them for a year or two if that's the direction that the organization chooses to go to. There's a lot of ramifications, though, if they try to make a move for Aaron Rodgers. Brady would obviously be the cheaper choice, and what I mean by that is money as opposed to money, draft capital, possibly another potential player. So 
Brady would be the easier way to acquire a guy. Aaron Rodgers is younger. He's a, you know, he, he still has a little bit of mobility to him. And you know, he's got that connection with Devontae Adams. So it's going to be a lot. I'm glad I don't got to make that decision. We'll see what happens. But thank you for that text again. That was Southern Indiana Raider, not Southern Indian Raider. I don't know where I came up with that. But thanks anyway. I appreciate you. Next up, got a call from Nate Glass, the California Steeler fan, chiming in on the Raiders show. Here he is. He's calling to talk about the show I did on Friday about Kimani, shares his own story, and also talks defense too from a Steelers point of view. Here he is, Nate Glass, the California Steelers. Steeler fan. How you doing, Q? Nathan Glass, California Steeler fan. I listen to your Friday's podcast, and uh, sometimes you need to hear something like that from another person. Um, I went through something very similar in 2021 with the passing of my mom. My mom at times could be a bugaboo, and there were several times she would ask me to come down, kick it with her, stuff like that, and always push it off didn't do it. And that year in April, she told me she had diagnosed with cancer. And then she departed from us June that year, two months later. So hearing that from you is uh, deep. And uh, I would have never um, heard that if I didn't tune into your podcast. That's why I tuned into several teams' podcasts, even though I'm a Steeler fan. I tune into eight different uh, teams' podcasts on a daily basis. So I want to uh, say that to you, and uh, I appreciate you. I really need to hear that. And I also wanted to um, talk about your um, defensive situation. I called you before, mentioned to you about uh, Alex Smith, and I know you're probably saying, why would you – why would you give us somebody like Alex Smith? Because to me, it's a win-win. Um, Alex, if he has another breakout season, Alex is going to want the bag. And we can't really afford him. Uh, we can't afford to give it to him. We have the highest paid defense in the league. And Alex is just, you know, he's going to want a big contract. So I want to dish him out now. Um, I know a first-round pick may be asking too much, but if we can get a second, and maybe alignment from you guys. We do need alignment help. Maybe a tackle. If you got a tackle, you can spare us in the second round pick for Alex I. Smith. I think that'll be more reasonable for both sides in a win-win. Thanks for taking my call, Q. Have a good day. Nate, thanks so much for the call, my man. I appreciate you, and I appreciate you sharing your story. And that's why I tell Kimani's story, to let it be known that it happens, and hopefully I can prevent someone else from making the same kind of mistake that I did. Uh, you know, and, and so I could tell that you appreciated that. So I definitely appreciate, like I said, you sharing your story. Now, as far as Alex Highsmith goes, huh, hold up, brother. We could talk for the next 10 minutes on Alex Highsmith. That'd be a hell of a pickup. If the Raiders could find a way to pull that off and have him bookend across from Max Crosby, and I know they got to still pay Chandler Jones, but if they could find a way to get Alex Highsmith, he would have led the, the Raiders in, in sacks uh, last season. Max Crosby led the team in, with 12 and a half. Alex Highsmith had 14 and a half. He's got 22 sacks or 22 and a half sacks in three seasons with the Steelers. And he's a young cat. That would be the kind of guy that you want. You get, you want a good Batman and Robin, you know, you would like two good dudes. And then you look at Philadelphia. Who's got four guys in double digits for sacks. I'm not being that greedy. I'll take two. I'll take two and a guy in the middle of the defensive line that also could, you know, push the pocket as well. And if he doesn't get double digits, that's fine. But if you can get 12 and maybe even 12 from both guys, like a Crosby and Alex Highsmith, that'd be, that'd be awesome. 
I'd be cool with that. And then, you know, whatever else you're getting from guys in the middle, uh, maybe some other guys like corners and some other guys that maybe come on blitzes or whatever, that would be awesome. Uh, I don't know what it would take to get him out of Pittsburgh, and I don't know how much money it would cost to extend him. But those are the kind of guys, if you're going to make a move for a dude, make a move for a guy who's young and he's proven that he's still getting better each and every year. So if Patrick Graham looked at him and the Raiders looked at him and said, yeah, man, Alex Highsmith is on the top of our wish list, I would be fine with that because, like you said, man, that could be a hell of a player, and the Steelers might not be able to afford him uh, after after the next season. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, man, 22 and a half sacks in three seasons with the Steelers, that's awesome. Thank you so much for that. I do appreciate you. Next up, I got a text from Raider Rob in Pittsburgh. Speaking of the Steelers, he's, he's texting from Pittsburgh. He says, Q, Raider Rob from Pittsburgh, your Friday show was a grand slam. It was crazy. My mother was healthy, as can be, last Thursday. Friday morning, she had emergency surgery. She's fine, but like you said, things happen in a second. I also took your advice and changed something in my life as my two daughters are away at school. I would always text them good night and good morning. After your show Friday, I now call them every night just for a second or so. I also forwarded that episode to many of my friends that aren't even Raider fans. Shows like this is what separates you from everybody else. That's Raider Rob in Pittsburgh, and that's awesome. It's awesome that your mom is okay, too, by the way. Uh, but you're right. Things happen just like that. Quick, fast, and in a hurry, you just never know. And you hate to be that person that, you know, you didn't want to talk to someone for one reason or the other, and then the next opportunity you have an opportunity to talk to them, you really don't have that opportunity. So glad that that could help for you. And, again, that was the reason to do the show is, uh, you know, it's for stories like that. You know, hopefully it can help someone, uh, you know, moving forward. So thank you so much for that text, that feedback. I definitely appreciate you. We'll close things out with a call from Coyote Cam out the ATX, the 254. He's calling to talk about the potential trade proposal that Peter Bukowski threw out there for Aaron Rodgers, where the Raiders gave up the number seven overall pick, and Darren Waller for Aaron Rodgers. Here's Coyote Cam in the ATX. Hey, what's going on, Q? Coyote Cam out of ATX. I'm calling in to speak on the, uh, the, uh, the trade proposal um, for Aaron Rodgers and what, uh, what my thoughts are on that. Um, definitely I'm liking the thought of having Rodgers versus any other real option that's been spoke on. I think um, Lamar might be a little out of reach for us. But with, uh, with the Packers really looking to trade Aaron Rodgers or it really being in their best interest and in the conversation uh, saying that a trade for him might entail a first round, possibly Darren Waller. At first, I, I wanted to kind of reject that just because I do like Darren Waller. I really do think he's a, a great player. And I think uh, if we do let him go, especially the – uh, the Packers, I mean, he's going to go on to have a great rest of his career, I believe. Um, but in that, I would say we can also find another tight end. Or if it, if it, if it all necessary, I mean, Foxy Moreau has been doing okay. He's had drops, don't get me wrong, but he, he's been doing okay. So, um, what, what my thought is, maybe... We execute the trade. We give up the one. Trade Darren Waller. That would offset some of the cap with uh, with Rodgers coming in. And then maybe in the in the second round we're going and getting a guy like uh, Darnell Washington. Um, I mean, he would instantly 
bolster our our uh, blocking scheme. Um, but then he, he he's also he's just unique that he does have the potential to go out there and still contribute in the pass game. Uh, I, I still I would definitely believe so if you have a guy like Rogers at the helm. Um, but also I mean if he's still raw enough I I'd, I would prefer a guy that uh, that knows how to block that has that grit in him, you know. Um, but then also uh, it can contribute, you know, because you can end up getting the most out of him when it comes to the pass, and he may be a really great player when it comes down to it. So, uh, I mean, just my thoughts on it. I wanted to see your take. Thanks so much for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And, I mean, I guess anything and everything is on the table, right? Kind of like I said a little earlier in the show, when it comes to the quarterback position, you just don't know. Brady's, Rodgers, or other. And really, when I talk about other, I mean, I'm talking about Stidham. I'm talking about maybe, uh, you know, a guy like uh, Jimmy G, uh, a rookie, uh, another unrestricted free agent that I might not be thinking about. Uh, but it feels like it's really going to boil down to Brady's or, Brady or Rodgers. And like I mentioned just a little while ago in this segment, Brady, all you got to do is pay him. Rodgers, you got to have to trade for him. You got to pay him $60 million in cash. That's the way that he basically set up his contract. It's a win-win for him. And you get him for a couple years, that's fine, but... You know, that's that's still taking away a lot, and you still need to build up the rest of the team. It's not like you're just uh, Aaron Rodgers away. So uh, as much as I think I'd prefer him over Tom Brady, just because I'm so concerned about that that father time slapping Tom Brady in the face, all of a sudden just, you know, you don't want to be that team where, hey, he's gotten away with it, gotten away with it, gotten away with it. Then all of a sudden, father time catches up, and you're like, yep, he has nothing left. You don't want to be that team that has the Brady that, that held on a couple years too long, right? <laughs> so we'll see what happens, but it's, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, it's going to be a huge storyline uh, throughout the offseason until it's not, until something is you know set and done uh, when Derek Carr gets finally traded or released, whatever happens, and then the Raiders decide who their quarterback for 2023 is going to be. But that's all I got for you on today's show. Thank you so much for your time. As always, thank you so much for making the show your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can find the Lockdown Raider podcast free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Thanks to my man Ari on Twitter, at Ari Produces. So until uh, tomorrow, Raider Nation, we'll have some more calls, we'll have some more texts, we'll have some more news and notes, and we'll have plenty of more conversation where the heck came from. Trust and believe that. Uh, thank you again so much for uh, tuning in to the Locked On Raiders podcast. So until tomorrow, Raider Nation, take care of yourself, take care of your family, love on your family. Most importantly, as always, just win, baby. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
your team every day.